You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air Knife here with always... Typical idea. Today we're going to be doing the 2011 Sushi Typhoon film, Hell Driver, directed, written, special effects by Yoshiro Nishimura, who everyone who's familiar with this genre would know as the guy behind Tokyo Gore Police, special effects in The Machine Girl. Uh, He's all over those types of movies. So if you like those movies, you're probably pretty familiar with who that is. Yeah, I found them a little darker and a little more serious, if you can call any of these films serious, yeah. than Hell Driver. Yeah. Yeah, Hell Driver had a lot more comedy to it, but well, same genre. When these... I'll back up a little bit. When these movies became known to me, it was a, a lot of years ago when I was just getting back into horror and I was spending a lot of time at HMV which is a store that you can get music and blu-rays and dvds and all kinds of stuff at least here in Canada and movies I'd walk by movies that I'd never seen before never heard of before but the box art looked interesting and since I'm such a big anime fan the cover for the machine girl always popped out at me it was a girl in a like schoolgirl uniform with a big gun standing over a bunch of rubble just looking like a badass and it always made me wonder what's this about like what is this it looks kind of like an anime but it's live action seems interesting but the price point on that movie i was like it always sticks out of my mind the price point of the movie at the time was i wasn't making a lot of money i was like a part-time worker so i just it was too expensive but then one time i just bit the bullet and spent money that I didn't really have and I bought that movie. And what I realized was that I had seen something similar to it before um, in the movie Versus, which is similar action zombie horror, but I feel it's far more of an action movie than anything else. And even, even the gore, I feel... It has some gory scenes, but I kind of feel like Versus is like its own thing. But with The Machine Girl, I just fell in love with how ridiculous it was and over the top it was. But at the same time, it had this darker sensibility that it was treating these things fairly seriously. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Comparatively to a lot of things. And the next one that I got to just out of the drop of a hat was Tokyo Gore Police. Mostly because I loved the title of that movie. Yeah, don't we all? It just made... No fucking sense to me. It was like you took three random words that just sound hardcore and put them all together. And you're like, there you go. Tokyo Gore Police. And then that movie, even more ridiculous than The Machine Girl, it had even more of a science fiction rationale behind it. But again, it did have a darker sensibility to it. It was... We were on the cusp of these movies really taking off. They became really popular, not just in Japan where they always did pretty good business, but they became very, very popular in other areas of the world. Yeah, like after, I believe, Battle Royale really caught fire and Mm -hmm. everyone started seeking out that same sort of film. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, yeah, uh, Suicide Club, um, lots of movies like that 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 were coming out in the early aughts of 
Japan and really showing people visuals and cartoon levels of violence that people weren't used to. It was like they had taken the Grindhouse era movies and put a real Japanese sensibility behind it. And so many of these directors and special effects artists had become popular because of that, known because of that, they decided to fill, uh, start their own production company. So instead of just being a bunch of independent people loosely affiliated by, well, this guy worked on this and this guy mm-hmm. worked on this. and Being randomly called into other people's projects. Mm-hmm, they became a production company of Sushi Typhoon. And Sushi Typhoon came around at about 2010. And the only reason why I remember that was because I remember an issue of Rumorg magazine that I bought when I was... I had, like, gotten out of buying horror magazines just because we live in a, an age where... It's all at your fingertips. It's all at my fingertips. Yeah. Why am I buying a magazine? I'm not really... I'm outdated by the time it comes to print information. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but I, it really captured my... I, I, I really liked it because I always thought, again, being kind of like an isolated horror fan in Ottawa that, oh, I'm the only one that likes this. And even friends of mine, when they would see movies that I would buy, like I would, you know, buying The Machine Girl or Gothic Lolita Psycho or uh, Yo-Yo Girl Cop, whatever, they would make fun of me. They're like, you know, you're the only... The only reason why these fucking movies get made is because you buy every single one of them. And I was like, well, come on, other people have to buy them. If one guy was buying the movies, they wouldn't make them. (laughs) But that's neither here nor there. No, but you feel like the only guy when, like, your oh, immediate sure. circle, it's all just surreal to them and they've never seen anyone else. And and they really don't like it. And sometimes uh, it definitely got harder as time went on because they became more and more comedic and more and more ridiculous. And the special effects got bolder but never really improved. So, and, and that's not really a knock. Well, it is, but it's not... It, no, they're getting more imaginative. So I know what you mean. Yeah. By, and they're not pouring more and more money into bringing up higher quality special effect and higher production value to these effects. They're pouring their imaginations into making them more outlandish. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, interestingly enough, that in itself becomes the aesthetic mm-hmm. that they're kind of going for, especially when they form Sushi Typhoon. That's where you got uh, like Alien versus Ninja and uh, Robo... God, what was it called? Robo- now you're just making up fucking title names, Wes. Come on. No, I'm not. Mutant Girl Squad and Coldfish, which is is kind of the odd one out. Which I still really want to see. Uh, yeah, and Yakuza Gun. These these types of things. Now, Sushi Typhoon, interestingly enough, hasn't made anything in a while, and I haven't looked into it at all. But I'm pretty sure, like, if I don't know if they're like on hiatus or if they're if it's kind of done as a production company, they tried it and blew their wad. But yeah, and they're and they're kind of done. But they they sort of just churned out a big chunk of movies, six or seven or whatever, and that's kind of it. And they haven't made anything since 2011, I think. This is off again. I don't. 2011, 2012, something like that. So we haven't seen anything new for me personally. I was always kind of looking for that darker sensibility. The darker sensibility is that the Machine Girl and Tokyo Gore Police, because I like, I've said many times, I like uh, horror and stuff to take itself very seriously. Now, while these aren't strict horror movies in the sense that, well, they're really trying to scare you, they're trying to shock and grotesque you. Um, Also make you laugh. But there's all kinds of cringeworthy things in these movies that are put deliberately to make you Oh, ew, that's gross. Especially all the food, all the... Oh, yeah, I don't even want to talk about that yet. <laughs> Let's wait till my stomach 
straightens out <laughs> before we start talking about the food oh aspect. My. But they are cringeworthy. And even some of the darker storylines that you can relate to are cringeworthy. Yeah. And But it's fucked up because all of the examples of incest, cannibalism, just violence against... Violence to the level where it washes out and flattens out and does not become something shocking anymore. Not to the audience watching the film, but to the characters participating in this world. Mm -hmm. Death comes so fast and so grotesque and so cheaply that they make a mockery of it. They can't even be shocked themselves. No. It's yeah. just, well, that's what it is. Um, but but when you're watching some of these scenes, you, you laugh out loud at how ridiculous it is because it's everyone's just acting like a dick to be a dick and that's it there's no other motivation there it's just i'm a fucking bitch i'm a fucking dick like i'm just acting this way whatever so we come to hell driver myself becoming i don't want to say i got sick of this these types of movies what happened was i kept liking every one of them less and less that wasn't tokyo gore police and wasn't the machine girl when i watched Vampire Girl versus Frankenstein Girl, even something like Gothic Lolita Psycho or Robo Geisha, any of those types of films, I was like, uh, I don't know, I didn't like it as much, I didn't like it as much, and I could, couldn't quite put my finger on it. What I think I was looking for was for them to tone down the comedy, or some, or, or some of the parts that I just found frankly annoying in a lot of these movies where I think they're going for funny, but there is a little bit of a cultural difference too. things that a Japanese audi audience might find funny. I just don't, I don't get it. Or find absolutely unfunny that we're yeah. giggling over. Yeah. yeah. My introduction to these films definitely happened with Robo Geisha and I believe they showed it at the Mayfair and it was the trailer that was online that everyone was freaking out about. And I'd watched it and thought, Oh yeah, this is a lot like Riccio, which was just a total outlier to me. I'd end up watching Riccio for I don't even know what reason. Somebody had lent it to me or forced it on me, and I ended up with my own copy, which got lost somewhere along the line. And it didn't strike me to follow up looking for any more uh, films like that. And then flash forward years later to watching Robo Geisha, I was like, oh yeah, I really enjoyed this shit. And then Tokyo Gark Police, of course. And I didn't really go down that rabbit hole as deeply as most people and certainly not as deeply as you being a super fan of yeah. these and a collector of mm -hmm. these sorts of films. Um, I just catch as catch can would watch a few. Um, Gothic Lolita Psycho. Yeah. That was another fun one I really enjoyed. Yeah. But if it didn't strike me, if the cover art didn't strike me mm -hmm. the way that in particular Tokyo Gore Police had or uh, Machine Girl had, I just didn't bite. Yeah, and that's completely fair. To me, when I see a certain film that I like, ooh, I want more of that. Give me more of that. And so if I got a sense that the movie was going to be similar based on the cover, and you can kind of tell. You can get an idea from the box mm -hmm. alone what you're in for. And if push came to shove, we live in a digital age. I could look up the trailer online right there in the store. <laughs> Some people are like, you can just get the whole movie online probably. Yeah, well... Point not taken. West don't play that way. I don't play that way. I like to go to the store and buy physical copies of things and then live in it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was a super fan of this genre. It was. I am a super fan of this genre. And I'm actually thrilled to be talking about Helldriver because Helldriver to me was the first time 
I felt we were close to what I got with Tokyo Gore Police and The Machine Girl, which stands to reason because, I mean, the guy worked on those films. Uh, Tokyo Gore Police was 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 his, but um, The Machine Girl, uh, he was uh, on practical on that one. So, I mean, I can understand why, but again, because it's now under the Sushi Typhoon banner, there is certain tropes that go along with that. And so there is more comedy in parts where I would have rather there not been, but it didn't ruin it for me. Even just some outlandish moments, for sure. I know what you mean. Uh, I prefer the not so outlandish and not as comedic and far more dark types of films. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it is what it is. You know what you're getting into with a Sushi Typhoon movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's almost like trauma. Like, you know yeah. exactly what you're getting. Or that you, comedy troupe that does Super Troopers, Broken Lizard, or whatever mm-hmm. they're called. Same sort of idea. There's going to be particular jokes and particular beats they're going to hit. And whether you like them or not, like yeah. you might not even be watching the movie for those. I don't think anyone really is. Mm-hmm. You might not be watching the film for the particular Sushi Typhoon things. But Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're into seeing people eat weird food and... Weird food it and just... And just fixate cameras on mouse. And and it's so strange because this doesn't happen in Helldriver. Well, it does happen in Helldriver. But the scene that I, that I always point to in all of these movies is in Tokyo Gore Police where the guy's in the subway eating bugs. And I remember watching that saying at the time when I had never seen the movie before, oh, yeah, that, that guy is going to be something. Like, there's something there. Like, the, oh, he's one of those... He's one of those monsters. Like, I could see it. No, he's no, not. He's a regular guy. He's just a really gross dude eating with his mouth open in a subway that we're dedicating minutes upon minutes to. It's fucking ridiculous. But that is in all of these movies. And now I'm starting to wonder, do they all open with a shot of a flower? Because that's just or two today. something that... very serene. Yeah, super serene and sweet and innocent and pretty. A lot of the... Uh, protagonists in these films are also women. And I remember, uh, because of the article that I had read in Rue Morgue, it was quite extensive. I mean, it was the cover story, for God's sakes. Mm -hmm. Um, He had spoken, the director had spoken about liking the idea about somebody being weak or helpless in life and then going through some kind of transformation and then becoming very powerful, self-sufficient, confident. And... uh, that's definitely a plot device that I really like in, in ner- any sort of narrative. But in order to do that, you, which all these characters kind of share that, um, all the main characters in these types of movies tend to share that they were somehow weak or helpless and then they become super powered. Uh, they have to have like the tragic background and those tragic backgrounds are so heinous. Like so fucking heinous. It's not, it's not like, oh, uh, my... My mom slapped me around. Oh no, not in Helldriver. It's like <laughs> my mother and her brother ate a portion of my father, burned him to death. There's heavy implications that she's been sexually molested by her uncle, if not generally tormented, slapped by her mother, beaten. Yeah, and definitely tormented by her mother and watching her father be tormented by her mother like all her life, apparently. Yeah. And I'm like, and, and while, <laughs> and by the way, uh, her father is in a wheelchair. So there's, we're treated to an entire scene where her mother is just kicking her husband 
who's in the wheelchair. And his Del- legs that have no feeling. Yeah, delighting. Marking yeah. that they have no feeling. Yeah, isn't this great? to kick them. Kick. It happens to be her birthday. It, oh, yeah. It's her yeah. birthday, by the way. <laughs> this happy is her birthday. birthday. <laughs> happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't help but laugh because it's almost like... It's almost like the worst story you could possibly have or when those comedians are doing like one of their aristocrat jokes. It's like how... Oh, it's beyond aristocrats because they've already played the aristocrat joke explaining to you once how horrible her home life is. And And then they re-explain it again with a different, more different scenes about how absolutely horrible it was. And then they show her birthday party. Her birthday party. This fucking grotesque thing. And what's interesting is uh, a lot of these movies take uh, the tragic backgrounds, not a lot of them, but a couple of them is like, oh, it's this character's birthday. I I seem to remember that in a couple of the other ones too. So I guess it's just how to make this as absolutely sad as possible. I don't know. Like make it on Christmas or something. It's Christmas isn't so important. So but like, yeah. but but like, what if it's their birthday and Christmas, and they're in a wheelchair, and they have cancer? They'll still have Kentucky Fried Chicken. It's Japan. <laughs> it's Christmas. They'll have Kentucky Fried Chicken, so that everyone will be happy. If That's it's good. not Christmas and all those other things are going on, then it can be tragic. KFC is pretty good. I'll give you that. <laughs> I can't agree, but I'm not a KFC fan. I found a broken leg bone in a KFC when I was a little kid, and I've pretty much avoided it since then. Are you telling me that the chicken broke its leg? It's not. I think somebody broke its leg on purpose and laughed at it for a while and then kicked it because it was in a wheelchair and then said, Happy birthday to its daughter. (laughs) There's your tragic backstory. (laughs) That's what I think happened. Yeah. And then its uncle molested. The and then its uncle, and then it's like, by the way, I'm going to molest you. And then chased it for like its entire life, calling it sweet little names. <laughs> yeah. Kika Chan, Kika Princess, Kika Pumpkin, Kika Melon, Kika Pudding, Kika Sweetie. Yeah. The uncle has a lot of pet names for Kika, his uh, niece. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite thing. It, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. Um... The uncle also seems to really like swastikas. He's got it on his jacket and he's got one on his arm. And then he gets one conveniently burned into his forehead. Which he deserves. Definitely deserves. Yeah, he definitely deserves to get his forehead burned. But I I was like, what's with the swastikas? Just to show that he's an asshole and he's to be hated. Just to set him up, like, immediately as a villain. Is it not enough that he's eating her father? No, no. Do you need more context clues? It's like, well, he is... Well, context. Look at the world we've stepped into. Yeah. I'm sorry, but eating her father doesn't carry as much weight of being a Nazi sympathizer. (laughs) I guess not. We're not even talking about the plot of this movie. We're just saying random shit. Because <laughs> that's a lot of what this movie is. Um, the idea behind this movie, the basic premise, is that we are introduced to a world where infected people roam a good portion of Japan. They sprouted out from some kind of foreign body from space. It struck the earth. It impacted with uh, Kika's mother, and she became frozen in amber, 
or something. Some gelatinous goo or something. Not before she had the presence of mind to rip her daughter's heart from her beating, uh, for, for beating her from her chest and putting it into her own chest. So now she has her daughter's heart. Her, her, uh, Kika has no heart whatsoever now. And she's dying, obviously, because you need that to live. Mm-hmm. Or so you'd think, because she's also covered in amber from her mother's frozen form. This black cloud of ash spews out, and anyone that inhaled it that wasn't conveniently wearing a gas mask turns into, for what is all intents and purposes, a zombie. Uh, one of the major differences is that they have a horn or an antenna protruding. Antler. They call it an antler, which drives me batshit because it just looks like a vine growing from a melon and there's a lot of melon references in this yeah um so and that's exactly what it looks like but they keep calling it an antler and i can't think of any creature at all that has an antler anything like that but they do treat it like a horn or an antler and Mm -hmm. harvest it but harvest it that Um, is the biggest difference and it does make them look a little less scary if they didn't have these antlers this would be a way more scary movie i'm just gonna put that out there no, I agree, but I what I dig about it is the fact that they tried something different, at least visually different, and also it added a bunch of lore that, well, they can be controlled via these antenna. The queen can kind of signal to them like they're a fucking ham radio or something. It's a hopping vampire of the zombie world. Yeah, um, they've also indicated that since Japan has been divided by a great wall to keep the zombies on one side, there are people who are going over the border to harvest these horns because they've discovered that it acts as an illicit drug. So there's big money in it, and times are tough in Japan now. Millions of their citizens have been turned into infected a bunch more have been killed and their economy and global power is collapsing because of that so there's a lot of layers that the antenna or the antlers the horns whatever you want to call them provide so i give it credit to that i mean i agree that they would be more visually frightening if they were zombies and also a lot more quantifiable but you would lose a lot of the extra little bits and pieces that i happen to like now could they not have made it look better? Could they not That's have... That's my biggest argument, is that there's a million different designs I can think of, just off the top of my head, no pun intended, for these <laughs> antler horn things, but they chose this one that looks exactly like a melon vine, which is just cute. So they're a bunch of melon heads in my head. Melon heads. <laughs> That's all I could think of. But I totally agree with everything else you're saying. Yes, it provides an excellent plot device. It provides these this weird um, black market thing mm-hmm. about it being like a drug. And they're instantly recognizable as infected as well. Because a lot of people do get covered in gore in this, surprisingly. Yeah. You know, it's the it's weirdest a, thing. It's yeah. a very bloody movie. Look. Very bloody. Before the fucking... By the way, this movie has the longest pre-title se- sequence I've ever seen in any fucking movie Ever. It's like 30 minutes before we get to the opening title of this fucking film. Which is probably not quite the halfway mark. I forget how long this film is. Because it doesn't feel probably as long as it is. But that the opening title, the opening sequence, does feel like halfway through the film. Yeah. And 
honestly, that portion of the movie I found very annoying, mainly because they were playing the, an entire song that I don't really like. Meh, there was a couple songs I didn't like, so no, but it didn't really annoy me. I thought it was kind of funny. And it does it does work. Like the pre-title sequence is all the elements that you would have contained in a pre like a pre-opening title sequence for backstory and things like that and motivation and setting up everything that you're about to see. It definitely has the exact same bits and pieces. It just happens to be 30 fucking minutes long. Yeah. There's a lot of action in that 30 minutes. There's a, it does set up the world like you were saying. By the time the pre-credit sequence is over, we know exactly what's going on and they're kind of ready to go. I suppose it's necessary given the pace of this movie because holy fuck, there is very little downtime. And when there are quieter moments between characters, when they're in a car, no one's really talking, they're providing a little bit of exposition, something. I find myself like, whew, <laughs> give me a fucking minute here. And just being like, yeah, okay, you've got a second, but this just happened, that just happened. Where'd that guy go? Oh, yeah, he's doing this. Oh, God. And it's always just really fantastical things that you oh, do yeah. need that second to kind of wrap your head around. Or else it would be just visual or overstimulation and it give is. up. A lot of times in the Sushi Typhoon pictures, any of them, even before they were all Sushi Typhoon, you can get to a place where you are overstimulated with violence because of how ridiculous like arms and legs and torsos just things just flying everywhere and droves and droves of bodies just getting cut down and liters and liters and liters of blood the liters and liters and liters of blood are probably the most normal and calm bits as far as the gore and violence go they tend to like to slow down the film yeah. And and just show people just getting sprayed with blood. So much blood. Mm-hmm. But of course, in a Sushi Typhoon movie, people are very powerful. Like, if you lose an arm or a leg or whatever, you can still do stuff. You're not... Oh, yeah, like even in the beginning, the mother has an, an, an entire hole that says a bowling ball right through her chest. Yeah. And she's still functioning well enough to wrangle her daughter and rip out her heart yeah like not even oh i'm strong enough to string a few thoughts together oh no i'm strong enough to chase you down to chase you down and to shove my hand through your chest cavity with a big speech while i do it yeah saying how everything in this world belongs to me um which is such a trailer line i feel like like if i go back and watch the trailer i'm like i bet that i need to watch the trailer now i didn't i totally went into this dry like i said um, the only prep I did for this was watching Tokyo Gore Police a little bit. Just to get you in the him. mood? Yeah. Um, when am I ever not in the mood for blood spraying absolutely <laughs> everywhere and spines? It's the vast amount of spines. So much spine. But cutting the trailer for this, I need to see the trailer now just because I, like, halfway through I was like, I couldn't imagine cutting a trailer for this because what do you pick? Yeah. What do you pick? It's just awesome. It's wall-to-wall visual insanity. Mm-hmm. So, like, cutting a trailer, wow. Either they you know, do a bait and switch and cut all these like really calm, serene, you know, scenes and avoid all the set pieces mm-hmm. or they just throw together a great big collage of set pieces. Everything looks really distinctive and cool. Yeah. The makeup in this movie is really, really awesome. Even if you don't like the aesthetic of the zombie horns, everything looks really good. I mean, they have distinctive Fairly looks good. to it. I wish that what CG they use, they could have smoothed out the eye contacts and stuff like that. If I have a stupid, tiny, niggling 
annoyance when it comes to special effects is that when you can tell contacts are contacts. Yeah. That's just me. That's just me being a snuggly, billy little bitch. Mm Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't pick up on that at all. I thought. I I I think that the contacts look great. Yeah, they look like contacts. No, but I mean, like, I know they're contacts because people's eyes don't look like that. I want people's eyes to look like that. If you poke them in the eye a bunch of times, I bet they will. Alrighty then. (laughs) After the pre-title sequence, we get a sense. Well, during the the pre-titles and then into the actual meat of the movie, there's a divide culturally in Japan, more so than infected and non-infected. There's also people that believe that the zombies should retain the rights they had as living people. You've seen this a lot of times where people, characters will spring out either orating in the streets or talking heads on screens about how we need to be more understanding and... It's like mutant rights in X-Men. Exactly. But whereas mutant rights, it's played as, oh, well, you need to listen to these people because they're right. Mutants do deserve rights. Whereas in the context of movies like this or books or whatever I've read or seen, it's like, oh, this person that's preaching about... Rights for the obvious threat. Yeah, rights for the obvious... They're so wrong. They're so fucking wrong. And they will die because of their convictions. And... Uh, through their convictions, many more people will die needlessly, mm-hmm. and and uh, like and it's a really it comes off as really conservative, but you could see it coming. Yeah, I was just gonna say you can definitely see it coming because it's, it's, you know from the get go that they're absolutely wrong, and they're you you can't understand exactly why they're preaching this mutant rights. Mm-hmm. Like you can totally understand yeah. um, because that speaks to a whole bunch of other social revolutions that were for the greater good, mm-hmm. but these guys are just zealots. And it's sort of like this uh, priest that has recently said that he's not going to set himself on fire because marriage is being equalized. Um, Same sort of guy is represented in this priest in this film who's the number one talking head about zombie rights and trying to make people realize that there's still families over there and families have become infected and you still Mm -hmm. have to treat them as human. Mm -hmm. There is, and on the top of it, there's conflicting people on the national level, prime ministers, one who believes, a prime minister that believes that, well, we need to obviously corner off the infected and get rid of them because this is destroying our country. The other one says, well, no, we can't do that. Well, in the end, they're both kind of wrong. Their methods don't really work. That's also feeding into panic when things are in a state of chaos and you're looking for, well, this guy has this answer uh, and this guy has this answer, but at the end of it, they both just get killed uh, very grotesquely. Well, then who was right? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that was an interesting theme that they had in this movie. Again, there was, there was, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've reviewed this film before. I've uh, on spotterpictures.net years ago. Um, You know, and a lot of people were complaining about, well, there's no plot. There's nothing really going on in this movie. I'm like, nah, there's lots going on in oh, this movie. Oh, there's definitely levels of plot. There's the, levels of plot for the main protagonist and the relationship with the the almost demonic style of villain that her mother has become. Oh, yeah. There's a plot, little tiny subplots to do with some of the people that she meets along the way and their little like band of warriors that 
are made by the end. Even just the fact that they become prisoners and why they end up in the second half of the film, mm-hmm. sort of, whatever, after the, the title sequence. Yeah. Um, why they're sent to do what they have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, even that's an interesting plot, let alone the political stuff, which normally doesn't interest me. It's normally the yawn in mm-hmm. these sorts of movies, which it's not in this film. It's played off rather well, and it is its own plot entirely. No, absolutely. Um, once the former prime minister is killed, a new guy comes in with like a not so subtle. He's got, he's very militaristic. He's got like the Hitler stash. Like it's not subtle at all. And he wants to eradicate the zombie queen. He believes rightly that yeah, destroying the good idea actually. the destroying her is the key to do this now how do you do that well you take people who have been arrested as criminals uh for whatever reason i guess for uh poaching i guess would it technically be yeah um, it's basically poaching yeah. um and you have an option you hit one button and you're proven innocent quote unquote and by innocent it means you go out into the field and you have a chance to survive you have to kill the zombie queen and then you're good. But you might die in the process. If you hit the other button, well, you will be tried under traditional laws, which of course means you are going to be instantly killed. Yeah, I didn't think it would be as instant and as awesome, but it was pretty awesome, pretty instant. But you left out the cash prize. There's a cash prize. That was, oh, I <laughs> For no reason. I forgot. Is it, yeah, we'll also yeah. throw you a couple bucks. Yeah, if you eradicate the zombie queen, there's a cash prize. <laughs> Unreal. I think only one person that they show appearing to struggle between this choice. Yeah, he didn't know which one to do, and he picked, well, try me under normal laws. So, okay, you are found guilty. You're sentenced to death. Goodbye. Yeah, immediately obliterated in a fucking splash of blood. Splash of blood. So everyone else heads back over the lines. There, Kika and her pals, well, she meets like a couple of dudes poach, uh, poaching. One guy One guy is, is very different looking. Like He just has like a bowler hat. And he's like, he looks like he's dressed from like a completely different Taku movie. Taku with the cool pants. Yeah, Taku with like the striped pants and shit like that. And then he's got, he's got with him like a, a boy who looks like he's like a teenager or something like that, who doesn't speak. And he's like, he, he doesn't speak. I don't know his name. I call him no name. Because <laughs> he's so like, like you said, imaginative. Oh, that's so like imaginative, that. right? It's just like, oh, geez, I can't figure out that kid's name. No name. That's your name now. No name. Yeah, he came from the north. Why didn't you just call him North? You could have called him something cool, right? No, no, no. You're no name. Yeah, no name. No name's pretty badass, though, because he's got this big retractable saw blade that he uses to fight. Kiko, we've left this out. She has her heart ripped out. Oh, yeah, the important, like the lawnmower girl. Yeah, she doesn't die, but what she does get is an engine put into. Like a lawnmower engine. Yeah, it's not a pacemaker by any means. No, it's this big fucking thing coming out of her chest. Like her, you would imagine that her chest is essentially just like a big solid piece of metal. And she pulls the ripcord on it. And it's a a cable attached to a sword. And that sword is a chainsaw. It's a chainsaw, like a carving knife, but with a chainsaw. It did remind me of a carving knife, like where you're going to carve the turkey at Thanksgiving or something like that. Instead of a reciprocating blade, it's a a chain blade. Yeah. Um, So that was really cool. I liked the visual of it. It seemed really weird to me that you were going 
that you couldn't make it a little bit more futuristic if you were going to like, no, this woman has an engine in her chest, ripcord. Oh, That's I was waiting enough. for her to put like engine oil in herself and stuff like that oh, and that move herself been... up and stuff. <laughs> like really, because she needed some sort of maintenance. It was not it didn't even new look... gen technology. I know, I know, right? But that was actually kind of cool. Um, and and she, you find out, is is a, going to be the prototype. Why they decided to do this was if we can make her work, well, then we'll make other soldiers that are the same kind of thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Semi-indestructible. Yeah, very yeah. tough. Uh, Attached to their weapons. Yeah, and she goes from being helpless to like a oh, fucking uber badass. She's very strong and able to handily fight zombies. She's able to climb up their spinal columns and dance around like some kind of stripper pole. Yeah, she definitely had some cool moves. She did some inversions, which made me sad. Cause Why would that make you sad? Because I, I had tried the pole dancing, and I enjoyed it very, very much. But then I couldn't do to Vertigo. And she's actually, like, one of the first scenes that you see her in, yeah. fighting zombies. She's doing some amazing moves on this giant zombie spine. Very wow. cool scene, actually. It's very cool. Yeah. But does it make you, does it bum you out a little bit? Because not only is she able to do them, but she can fight at the same, like, she's fighting when she's doing this. No, that doesn't bum me out, because I am absolutely no ninja. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm not that worried about it. But just being able to have fun <laughs> on the pool, because it is super fun. Um, <laughs> a lot of the fight moves that she has look super fun. A lot of her falls uh, that she recovers from are not only, like, in that ninja action movie kind of way it just looks fun a lot mm -hmm. of what she's doing looks fun yeah. um the action in this movie is really ramped up you'll find as you get deeper behind the lines more bizarre zombies just raining heads the heads explode when you shoot them i don't know why but yeah they... the rules of the zombies don't necessarily change but they become revealed mm -hmm. the deeper you go like you're saying um and, and the rules seem pretty simple. You want to apply plain zombie rules to them at first. Mm -hmm. Except they have an antler and accept this and accept that. And then by the end of it, you're just like, you can do absolutely anything with these. These are the Play-Doh of fucking yeah. zombies. Yeah. They can actually do become or be anything. Yeah. When, when Kiku's mother becomes the zombie queen, her uncle, the perverted uncle with the mohawk and swastikas becomes like i wouldn't even say her henchman because he seems to be acting independently well i mean everyone every one of the undead she can control and mm -hmm. i'm sure that if he told if she told him to do something he would but he's kind of just doing his own thing yeah they fire off one another just fine and him doing his own thing all plays into the her grand scheme of being the yeah. zombie queen or whatever. i mean like he was a very violent person anyways and they have this really bizarre scene where they go to a bar and it's like a zombie bar and all of these really fucked up zombies are going there. It's like a weird fetish club and they shuffle off people to eat them there. No name sister Maya is there and they're trying to rescue her. It, it all kind of leads them up to fighting mini boss zombies. They each have to take out various weird undead. Yeah, because the weirdest of the weird are going to congregate at this zombie bar for sure. It's true, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's all kinds of different types of zombies. They're really weird. Some of them look really cool. Others just look kind of like a mess of shit. But going to... The, the thing that is the, 
the weirdest in this fucking movie is the fact that you can assemble body like it's mix and match. Yeah. It, yeah. It, you can take any part of any zombie, attach it to another zombie, and it will function. It but I'm, don't even think that I'm trying to say it's going to function. Oh, the hand will work like a hand. It you could turn it into a car because, <laughs> because they do because they do that. The uncle character is like running. After them, after all the the sort of uh, bigger zombies have been t- dispatched, they're in their truck and it's got truck. blades in the front. And yeah, it's going like down zombies, so all the yeah. body parts are going over the truck and hitting him. Yeah, and he's catching them in midair, and he's assembling. You don't see what the fuck he's doing, and then he just fucking cruises over a hill, Mad Max Fury Road style. But now he's in a car made of zombie parts. <laughs> Think about that. Absolutely ridiculous. But but you you kind of go with it because oh, completely. You're By just... that point, you've already seen people being you've seen people zombies being mixed and matched, and you've seen these um, outrageous configurations of yeah. body parts yeah. moving and having thoughts of their own and and fighting at yeah. that. So yeah, yeah, you totally go with it. Yeah. And it sets you up for the... The, the grand finale, yeah. which... It sets you up for being able to absolutely do whatever you want with whatever these Whatever the fuck you want. I still can't figure out what you made the wheels out of. I looked and I looked and I can't... I can't well, I was thinking... I was imagining... I was like, is there an engine in this car? Because there was pedals. So what's that connected to? Did he like... Okay, you're the spark plugs. And you're... Okay, the, the fuel line. And you're like... What are you doing? Like, and while you're running at top speed and you did this in a couple of, like, a minute? Like, what are you doing? But, like, again, like, I'm not going to I'm not gonna harp on a movie like this for being ridiculous because, okay, okay. Oh, my you, God, you, yeah. You I'd are, rather harp on it for the contacts problem than harp on it for any of the ridiculousness. Yeah, because the two, thing, the two things that I love about this movie and all of these Japanese grindhouse films is the fact that... They're teaching you how to watch it by relentlessly throwing weirder and weirder shit on top of it until it's a big weird sandwich and you don't even really know what's in it anymore, but it took so long to make you're starving so you fucking eat it anyways. It's just fucking ridiculous. And the the other thing that they do is they don't act like what you're looking at is fucking stupid. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, no, not at all. Like, like, they're just like, nope. No one's just like, how did he make a zombie? Like, no one... No one questions anything. Be, because, because if this was an American production, first of all, and this is no offense to creative minds in the West, but I'm just saying, like, when these guys are making their films in Japan and they're swinging for the fences... Holy fuck do they swing. They don't even care if... No one's talking them out of these ideas. Yeah, that's the thing. But, you know, in in West, I feel like, oh, no, don't do that. Or make it look like this. Or, you know, oh, oh no, that, that's too dumb. Like, how, the, the audience isn't going to understand why a, a zombie car would work. Or the audience isn't going to be bums in seats because people are going to be turned off of this. Or people have already seen this. Or if you want this, go here for that. Don't, uh try and redo this scene or don't try and improve upon this thing mm-hmm. that was ultimately silly. Mm-hmm. They want to make it 10 times more sillier in yeah. these films, not not do it at all in North American film. Yeah, I and mean, they're throwing a lot of spaghetti at the wall. And Oh my God, they throw all the spaghetti at the wall. They throw <laughs> spaghetti that was cooked 10 years ago and hasn't been cooked yet. They, Oh my God, they throw all the spaghetti at the wall. It's... It's crazy. Most of it sticks, too. That's the thing. Yeah. Because, again, 
it fits the world that they've created. This sushi typhoon world that they have manufactured through all of their fucking movies before they even became a production company. And they started with like, I don't know, like Media Blasters uh, uh, released all this stuff, but like whatever was going, like that was just the American distribution, but Mm -hmm. whatever was going on in Japan, just all of this fucking shit. So if you're a fan of this genre, you get more of the same. You know exactly what you're getting, even as weird as it seems. But the fucked up thing is they keep managing to top themselves with weird. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, you know, you see Tokyo Gore Police and you're like, oh boy, I've seen it all. <laughs> and, then, and then and then you watch like Vampire Girl versus Frankenstein Girl and you're like, oh boy, I've seen it all now. They're not going to, they're not going to trick me again. Like this is pretty much as weird as it gets. Right? <laughs> and no. then, and then they come, maybe that's why, maybe that's why they're not producing anymore. They, they 2011, and there's like it just collapsed in on itself like it a got new too truck. weird. It got too weird. I like, doubt it. They're not even it. filming with cameras anymore. They were trying to like I'll fucking. Think of all the manga and all the anime storylines that have gotten too weird, and they continue to be just weird. Churn it out. So many, and that's just what we're aware of because we're yeah. not overseas and we're not able to get the things that don't become popular at all, right? Yeah. Or anything for a long time it was like Tokyo Pop. Anything at Tokyo Pop or like um, Funimation or Aniplex. If they don't touch anything, a lot of times we just don't yeah. hear about it, right? It's either it's either uh, not been translated. It's way too expensive. Yeah, it, there's something, and it could be in its like the thirtieth year for fuck's sakes before oh, yeah. we even hear about it. Oh right? yeah, and then you feel like a chud because because <laughs> you're like, oh man, like I'm supposed to be a fan of this stuff and I didn't even know this was being yeah. made. And it's amazing, and it's amazing storylines, or they're completely fucked up or outlandish, guru insanity that we haven't even heard of, right? So. No, I don't think it got too weird. I, I want to find out exactly why. Maybe they're taking a break. Maybe is there a Tokyo Gore Police too? There, there should be. There, it was teased yeah. at the end of Tokyo Gore Police, and I was down. I was so oh, yeah. down for Maybe a sequel. Maybe they're working on that. Who knows? Let's just pretend that they're working on Tokyo Gore Police two from here to the end of our lives. But you know what? The, th- the thing is, it's like since they have done all this stuff, I was like, just come back. Do like an Avengers like thing. Take all your characters yeah, yeah. and cool. and do a big crossover. They should come back with. If that's what they're working on, that'd be. I I I I, I, I somewhat suspect that they're probably not, but I mean that would be fucking awesome. That'd be cool, and there's no reason not to. I mean they've definitely not set up a world where they couldn't do that. But also, I kind of feel like the guys at Sushi Typhoon would be like, fuck it. I don't care if the worlds were not exactly able to line up. I figured if they wanted to, they'd just do it. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like that demand would ironically come more from people outside of Japan. Who knows what they're working on? And everyone could have dispersed. And going back to working on other projects separately entirely, where they came from. Yeah, yeah. Which is cool, too. I mean, as long as 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 these people are keep... uh, As long as these people keep working, as long as they keep putting their ideas into their movies... That'd be really cool. Yeah, more spines. More spines. More heads being ripped off, full spines coming out, and blood. Geysers of blood everywhere. Very, very anime influenced, very manga influenced, just huge geysers of blood that you just don't see in North American horror. You don't. Um, The guys at Sushi Typhoon create weird fucking shit that is literally just rearranged human bodies. Like, it's not like they're adding extra shit to it. It's just all this weird body parts just artfully 
attached. Yeah, and that that one um, mini boss, as you put it. Yeah, it's a mini boss. It is totally because it's like a video game, right? It's like well, or an anime where all the all the the principal characters get paired off against one bad guy, and then yeah. they're gonna have to like beat that bad guy, but that bad guy's got like a special power, and you have to learn how to like get around it and shit. Yeah, that one with the uh, multiple limbs, very Shiva looking yeah. character. Um, that wields swords with all of its limbs, which of course you want to see. And it's not that predictable, but once you see the the monster yeah. with all of its arms and legs, and even arms coming out of its cheeks, which is just yeah, surreal. But weird. Done done well. I guess the 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 actor couldn't really move their face too too much, so there wasn't a lot of expression from the monster. But yeah. whatever, it's a zombie. Um, and then it has guns, which is cool too. Yeah. But every time. I noticed watching this and a few other of this style of uh, Japanese grindhouse, you it does hit a level of predictability once you're, you know, overloaded enough and you're sucked into this world enough. Yeah. Uh, you start being able to predict lines, which yeah. I think is kind of funny, um, and you start to be able to predict things like you're saying, "Hey, he's got no feet. How's he supposed to drive a car?" And I'm like, "You can just mash bloody stumps down onto the gas pedal." <laughs> and seconds later, he's mashing a bloody stump down onto the gas pedal, which is a foot, which is just hilarious for those mm-hmm. people with foot-shaped gas pedals. Um, but that's not like an annoyance where in a typical horror movie, once it starts to become so formulaic that you can predict lines of dialogue and you can predict the next thing that's going to happen, it's like you, you groan about it and you roll your eyes. You might get actually aggravated with a film and just be like, well, I saw that coming and not be engaged anymore. You don't lose your level of engagement when things become predictable in this film. It actually heightens your level of engagement because you're definitely along for the ride. Yeah, yeah, it definitely keeps you sharp. <laughs> I felt like in the moment when, when we're kind of dealing with the Shiva-esque zombie the, the, the actor's performance uh, really put the scene into a different space because it could have been genuinely creepy if it if it was played a little harder that was where the moments where i felt eh, I, I think they're kind of goosing the comedy a little bit with this because it's so weird but if she instead of making that weird noise over and over again mm-hmm. and crossing her eyes kind of cartoonishly if she was maybe not saying anything or perhaps more hissing or like some sort of darker groaning noises or whatever she was going to make i felt like maybe that would have been it would have made that genuinely freaky yeah yeah um so all of this shit is happening while they're trying to get to the zombie queen they they try to find no name's fucking sister she does not survive taku does not survive either he gets like strangely just decides to i guess because he got he has no feet um <laughs> he, he he's like well i can't i can't come with you anymore so he drives off the side in his zombie go-kart just fucking explodes and that's the end of that yeah, i thought they were heading for a thelma and louise thing because yeah, zombie just queen keep like, driving just yeah really that yeah. or with him and no name but mm. luckily no name makes it he finally meets with her mother who is standing on top what could only be described as a giant man-shaped pile of zombies. Like, zombies have... She has made the yeah, zombie... it's like a zombie totem at first. Totem, yeah. Climbing up golem, a golem It is zomb- a golem, yeah. A flesh golem. Well, it reminds me a lot of the Clive Barker story from one of the Books of Blood, uh, In the Hills, the Cities, where 
two towns, two fighting towns, two enemy towns, um, all the people gather together and create a golem of people. And people who become the feet end up getting inevitably crushed underfoot. And a lot of the people on the outside are just basically human shields. But they create these two huge zombie or zombies, two huge golems made out of all the townsfolk in these two towns and then go to war mm-hmm. in, in the in the woods or in the hills, the cities. And uh, that's what exactly what it looks like. But it's made of zombies, so they're way more expendable. And there's way more of them, so this thing gets fucking massive. Mm-hmm. And it is just that. It's a huge golem made out of different body parts. And because all these body parts can, can like, function and move and be completely autonomous when they're detached, you've got, like, just random arms and legs and heads, all kinds of heads. There's a lot of heads, a lot of yeah. headlessness in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, rampant. Well, the, 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 the zombies can still function if they don't have their heads. They have, you have to kill the horn. They have to break the horn off, and then yeah. the, the zombie will go kaput. Um, presumably, it is just their antenna that keeps the signal to the starfish alien that lives on the... It's not, <laughs> like, when I'm trying to say this... When you've seen it, it all makes sense. I'm yeah, like, but yeah, the starfish alien that's yeah, attached the, to Yeah, the starfish alien that's attached to The one that's conducting this, music. The one that's conducting music to make a giant zombie golem that gets attacked from space with rockets. When another barrage of rockets comes, the zombie golem catches the rockets in both of its zombie golem hands and then becomes a plane... And then flies over Japan, raining undead on people. I love how you did that all with a straight face. Because that's exactly <laughs> what happens. That's exactly what happens. And it's not so outlandish while you're watching it. It's... And, and you're, you find yourself being like, oh, wait, where did so-and-so go? Oh, yeah, no, he's uh, on, on the ground while she's being blasted around space, chasing her mother, who's at the head of this zombie golem that has become a rocket ship. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, I remember. I, I got it now. I remember yeah. where I am in this film. Yeah. I remember I was I was going to come down hard on those characters because they were just like sitting at their truck, like not doing anything. And I'm what like, what could they be doing? Yeah, yeah, you said that. And I was like, yeah, yeah, what could they be doing? I was like, well, the zombies flew away on a rocket ship. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not prepared for this. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing to do. I'm sure she'll be back if she makes it out of the zombie rocket ship ride alive yeah Mm -hmm. meanwhile you see that the zombie hordes are going to attempt to break down the wall the current prime minister the more militaristic one who's been firing the rockets has put a bunch of resources into this new division of soldiers that are supposed to guard the wall they kind of look like pyramid head yeah, like Pyramid Head, Knights of Knee mashup. Yeah, Knights decided. of Knee, Pyramid Head, Fusion Ha, and they have their masks become chainsaws. Uh, there's a brother and sister duo who were randomly like introduced to towards the end of the movie. They don't really have any lines of dialogue. They don't wear masks, so they're supposed to be significant. I mean, one of them gets it, but I don't really care because I don't know. They're they're really just faceless characters that have just been introduced ironically because they're the only ones that are unmasked and have faces yeah but i thought that was that was the that was the thing when i was watching this a second i was like that was a weird choice why are you introducing 
seemingly introduced characters in the last like 15 minutes of yeah, the movie. Yeah, it almost seems that they should have been inserted somewhere earlier. And yeah, maybe like there is more. Yeah, like on the why couldn't floor? Yeah, like instead of maybe the the Japanese flag girls like waving and something yeah. they could have gotten those guys to just be like, well, we're the mini we're like the tough guys that guard uh the the prime minister. That would have been cool. Yeah, we went from propaganda chic to military chic and now yeah. we're this brother and sister unbeatable duo that is modeled after the prototype. Yeah. That uh Yeah. What's her name? Kika? Kika. <laughs> Model after the prototype that Kika had been with her lawnmower heart chest thing. Yeah, all of these guys have the chest piece and they have chainsaw weapons. And uh, so she definitely is the prototype. She's uh, she's pretty fierce, though. I don't know if, like, I don't, I don't know if, uh, what is the X factor that made her so powerful? Heartlessness. I'd have to go with heartlessness. Um, aside from the drive to you know, avenge her father's death mm-hmm. by killing her mother and mm-hmm. just her years of abuse. Mm-hmm. That could be the, the X factor entirely. That or maybe it's just the uh, law of diminishing returns so that your army that's modeled after her isn't going to be as cool as that very first one you made. Yeah. Law of the inverse ninja. Like 10 ninjas are weak, one ninja is strong. Yeah, yeah. Um, You get to the point where <laughs> she's facing off with her mother on the rocket zombie ship thing and they get into a fight i was initially disappointed with it because i was like wow her mother is this alien hybrid zombie queen she looks badass i love her makeup she looks fucking cool oh she's amazing and she's kind of this like um diva emily autumn yeah yeah very regal looking very very regal and very very stoned on her own power oh yeah and constantly doing things like like ordering the zombies around with her little glowing antler horn thing and stroking her heart mm-hmm. to inflict pain on her daughter from afar. Even mm-hmm. if she can't see her, she knows she's in the world and it's hurting her. Yeah, they're connected and, because oh, yeah. of it. She is like a maniacal fucking crazy fucking bitch. Yeah. I feel like she would have been more sympathetic or... I was going to say more effective, but maybe just more sympathetic. Had she been a kind woman before this transformation happened, but she is not a kind woman in life. She is a very psychotic, vindictive woman. I'm not interested in having sympathy or understanding her any further than she is nuts. Well, to uh, to me, like, I'm, I guess I'd be looking for, like, a character arc. I don't know why, <laughs> but, I, but to me, I think it would have been... I'm always kind of looking for something a little sobby in it. So I feel like it would have been more effective to me. But I do like the idea of if you take a terrible person and you give a terrible person godlike power, well, oh my god, then they're a terrible person with godlike power. That is a nightmare. And I guess that is the moment. I think because... Why it was strange to me was when uh, Kika is punching her mother in the face repeatedly, and every punch, you almost feel like it's so much frustration because she's not. It's not like a cool battle with slick moves and great cinematography and like oh, no, sword not fighting. At all. It's it's very. It's almost like women with no powers just kind of tussling with each other and then very raw just punches to the face over and over again. And every time she uh, uh, Kika punches her, she says. 
like I want my father back. I want my life back. I want my heart back. I, like uh, you ruined my life. And this took, is for me. This is for me, and you're ta- you've taken I want everything my away from back me. Putting back for my birthday. Yeah, I want to putting back, which seems so small, but it's like no, it's not small. That pudding. It was like a fucking metaphor for everything. You just took my pudding, yeah. like and 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 so kicking my dad in the wheelchair and took my pudding. You, yeah, oh. yeah, you, yeah. So I mean, it was just everything, right? Everything. Mm-hmm. I want everything back. She's screaming. I like the scene, but then her mother tries to. I don't know if it's like her mother or perhaps it's the star thing trying to do it. I think so because the way the eyes switch is not like her mother that's deep down inside being no stop stop. Well, yeah, because yeah. I thought that was weird because it's like can't you forgive your mother blah blah blah. I was like that would have worked if her mother wasn't a crazy person. Yeah. The whole time or it would have made the fact that she had to kill her more powerful because even if she's like like can't you forgive me and she and she'll have to do it anyway cuz her mother's she's gone. She's not. Yeah. Like I was like, if you're gonna put that in it, why make her completely psychotic and unforgivable at the start? That's my only. And I was fine with it because I thought this is just that last ditch effort where that starfish alien thing is trying every trick in the book and just being like, oh, we didn't try this angle, so how about oh, please, please don't hurt your mommy? Oh, that didn't work. That didn't work. Maybe maybe the star didn't realize, like, like the mom in their head is like. Uh, Ixnay, I'm kind of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, that could be, yeah. Every daughter's going to love their mom, right? Not this one. Oops. Wow, we tried. Yeah. She rips her, her heart out. Her mother dies. And then once her mother dies, the the connection to all the other undead is severed. And like the... They just drop. They're, yeah, like they're killing done. a head vampire where everyone turns back. Yeah, zombies, yeah, yeah. So they just all drop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, her mother is uh, decapitated, and the, the everything just blows up. The golem falling apart is pretty cool. Like it's still midair, and yeah, I'm like, how are we gonna land this? And then thing, she had you know? a very Kika has a very uh, a moment that is very anime. You just killed the boss, or video game. You just killed the boss. We're like. I'm falling in slow motion, my eyes are closed, and I'm monologuing to myself. Like, and you think, like, wow, she's gonna go. They even had that moment in Machine Girl when, when you think for a second that, like, oh, she's gonna off herself, her revenge is done. Yeah. And then, and then all of a sudden, no name, mute through the whole movie. <laughs> like, to the point where, like... He had a few grunty moments. He has grunty he, moments where like he's... He can't talk. Well, he's trying to communicate to somebody like he's a fucking lassie. Like, like, <laughs> uh, 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 it's like, what? No name? What? What are you trying to tell me, boy? What are you trying to tell me? Uh, but like, apparently... Timmy's in the well? Uh, Timmy's in the old... <laughs> Timmy's in the well. Lead the way. Um, You have no name. Just say live or whatever. It's super like flying through the air in a car at this point. You're going with it, whatever. And she's saved and... In the final moments of the film, she's clutching the heart that once belonged to her, just staring at the camera. It looks like the fucking poster to the movie. And then she just crushes the heart. Credits. I'm like... Which is so perfect. Oh, my if God. If she would have just fallen into blackness with a, an ambiguous ending, so she dies. Yeah. Or if she would have, like... If it would have just faded out with the golem falling apart and her not really falling through and having no real, like... Uh, yeah, surreal like, or beautiful ending whatsoever 
Uh, I love that she's crushed the heart because it's useless to her entirely. Yeah. She has a way better heart in her little lawnmower two-stroke. Yeah, she's lawnmower. like powerful now and the life that she wanted is never going to come back. Her her evil uncle, uh, her mother is a fucking floating head in space now. Yeah, like, she has a new family. She, she has a, a cowboy cop and no name. Which interestingly conforms to... The three family law that is in, in Japan right now, because of so many, so much death and disorder, you are put together with two other random people and you become a three unit family and they're just strangers. Yeah. So that's really interesting, um, if not a little creepy, because there's one scene that in the movie that seemed to imply that somebody killed their family, like mm-hmm. their, their new formed family, that he killed them. Yeah, they because kill- you're being grouped up with strangers. I yeah, mean, I wouldn't so, want two random strange people forced upon me by the government to come live here. Yeah. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It, it's worse than an ad on Craigslist. Oh, my God, yeah. Um. So, yeah, her crushing that heart is interesting. Like you said, it's useless to her. And also, she wanted her heart back only in idea only you know what i'm saying like only yeah. the idea the principle of it it represents a pudding and the pudding is gone the yeah pudding is absolutely gone the scene where her uncle is eating her pudding is the most grotesque fucking thing in this film to me <laughs> to me well sushi typhoon does that all the time though because they're always just like ew look ew and it always seemed like a fucking eight-year-old like showing you snotty hands or something like that yeah. like ew i'm not touching you ew that's exactly like, that's how I feel, all too. it fucking is and it drives me fucking crazy honestly like as much as I do like these movies, I want every fucking scene with just that sophomore bullshit cut out of it. Just to, <laughs> please cut two fucking minutes out of your damn movie and take those parts out. Not because I find them particularly grotesque. They're just stupid. Like, I just don't... Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't like it. And they go on quite long. Too long. Too fucking long. To the point long. that I thought it was over and uncovered the screen. I'm and... like, oh, no, this is still yeah. happening. This is fucking still happening. Yeah. Um, no, it is. It, it represents something that's absolutely gone anyway. Not only absolutely useless, but absolutely gone. Because yeah. it's like the pudding. The pudding is gone. She's got it back, metaphorically yeah. only. But but also, since she crushed it, it's not like she's like, and I will keep this as a memento forever. She's like, it is now garbage. And she's staring at the camera while she does it. So she's just like, oh, I'm a badass. Like, it was really... Anyway, no one ever tried that again. This is to make sure that no one can ever, ever take this from me again. It's yeah, gone. it's like, I'll destroy it. And I was like, oh, man, you're so cool. Like, that's so fucking awesome. Or is it partially like, I only want to take it so that you don't have it? Is it as childish as that? Because when her mother took it from her, it's it's a power grab. It's to, it, it, She even speaks the line, everything in this world is mine. Yeah. Okay. So your heart, the thing that is so symbolic to people through their emotion, your emotions are through your heart. Mm-hmm. You have to listen to what your heart was. It's what people associate with instinct and love and all this kinds of stuff. So when that's ripped from you and taken by another person, it's an absolute power grab. And it, and, and how our mother uses to taunt her with it through oh, yeah. the entire movie, like poking at it and it hurts her. So again... Very beautiful scenes, I think. I like it when her mom's caressing her still beating visible heart yeah um when she in that moment when she took her heart back and then she destroyed it it was very much taking the power back to her and through her own agency destroying the thing that she coveted Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that is actually far 
more beautiful and poetic than I think people would give a movie from Sushi Typhoon credit for. Oh, for sure. Another thing, uh, the director um, had said, I'm just going to throw this scene out there because I really loved it. Uh, the the Prime Minister's death. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the Prime Minister's death. There was a lots of hints to other horror films. other Like the Shaun of the Dead moment where Shaun, they're yeah. mimicking zombies by holding a the... A really funny scene. Little... Um, and, um, Antlers up to their forehead. even, but even the idea of like the undead rising from something from space and all these other hints to yeah. Night of the Living Dead. Um, this moment seemed the most tribute to mistaken identity. Yeah. Um, people who don't know, uh, there's a death that occurs at the end of the Night of the Living Dead. Uh, that is mistaken identity. There's all kinds of layers that people have attributed to that. I'm not going to talk about that. I don't know if we know on our last episode when we were very into Night of the Living Dead, did we actually talk about that? I don't know. I don't think we did. But anyway, yes. Uh, there's so many layers to the ending of the original Night of the Living Dead. Some that Romero has said, uh, that was not my intention. It was a coincidence. And other times I've heard other things. So whatever. Um, but... It is a beautiful moment, it's, though. It's a very beautiful it's a moment. sad, sad, horrible, it, beautiful ending to that film. Yeah. And so we get to a point where the Prime Minister is attacked by a, a, a torso-less zombie. She's just arms and an upper body and a head. She bites off his tongue. Oh, he's not able to speak. He, in his death throes, well, death throes, he's in a lot of pain and he's sort of stumbling. He's very stumbly. As I guess I even would be if you were to rip my tongue out. And as everyone's been dying around him, he's been sitting there ordering things and launching rockets and watching this golem fight and the zombie yeah. queen. His Hopefully his little crack team of warriors are taking her down. So he's been watching all of this and drinking wine in the process. Mm-hmm. So he puts his uh, uh, a, a corkscrew to the side and he stumbles on top of it. So now he has his tongue removed and now he's got the corkscrew in his forehead, and the corkscrew oddly resembles the antenna that all the other zombies are sprouting. So his own soldiers come into the room, and he's looking at them, looking like trying he's being to beat up. He's stumbling he, around. Yeah, he's he's and he has that and the thing in his head. So they think he is a zombie, and they just light him up, and that's the end of him. He's got an antenna. He's covered in gore. He can't talk. Walks like a duck. Talks like a duck. He's going to get uh, shot like a, 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 a shoddy duck. But uh, uh, Nishimura uh, had stated that he was influenced a lot by uh, Night of the Living Dead. And to me, I was like, oh, that's definitely the scene that I associate the most with Night of the Living Dead. Because it's in a mistaken identity death. For Except sure. like the, the Prime Minister is kind of a, uh, in the movie, is kind of a jerk. So you don't really care. He's kind of a jerk. But like you said, he is the only one out of all the leaders they've had so far that had any sort of right idea to stop this scourge. He's not worried about, you know, segregating families. He's not as worried about um, the wall as much as he should be, actually. He's not that worried about going over there and firebombing the zombies. He's not that worried about, um, you know, learning about them and zombie rights and things like that. He's worried about killing the queen. Mm-hmm. And that's like the number one point mm-hmm. that it seems that he has the foresight that they will all die once mm-hmm. she's taken care of. Yeah. Yeah. He's the only one that had any sort of really good idea. So at yeah. least he had that going for him. He did have that going for him. So. It was it was uh, it, it was pretty cool. I like that touch, but 
I thought that as ridiculous as some of the moments were, and uh, but like, and I'm not talking about like ridiculous as in like a zombie golem. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about weird sounds that some of the actors were making and some odd musical choices and some scenes that kind of went on for way too long. Um, or the baby. Or the baby. The, what, what was with the, the baby? The baby that was like a bolo baby. Oh yeah, yeah. It was like a baby on the end of a whip. Well, I guess it's an, an umbilical, umbilical cord. It was a baby on the end of an umbilical like cord. A, a, swung, like a bolo. Swung around as a weapon. Yeah, it's pretty silly. You had said to me when we were watching that scene, like, it's like, and you were freaked out by sick nurses with like the baby fetus getting shoved down that woman's throat. And, and I said, well, honestly, I just forgot this scene happened in this movie at all. <laughs> Which is ten times more outlandish and ten times more gross, oh, actually. Because the baby's super fucking gross. Super gross. It's a zombie baby. Everything is like... It goes on way longer. Everything is just so designed to try to offend. It's just like, I, how could we offend somebody? But maybe not to the core audience that's going to be watching these movies, but they're kind of hoping... Like someone were to walk past you while you're watching this and look in the room and just be like, "Oh, what are you watching?" Something like that. They're just going for all these beats, you know, and it becomes it's ridiculous. Luckily, it's ridiculous because I thought, you know, a lot of times because I kept wishing from the very, very get go that these antlers at least looked different or something. Um, imagining a lot of the scenes that I'm seeing, especially when the zombies are attacking people. Um, if they didn't have these little weird glowing antlers, it yeah. would look fucking terrifying. Yeah. It would be gory and scary and horrible. Mm-hmm. Except they've got these little antlers, so it's kind of like... Yeah, little, and sometimes they wobble yeah. around and it looks a little funny. And... Yeah. At the end of the day, this whole film just made me hungry for sushi. Like, I specifically want sushi. I think I wanted miso soup earlier, but now I just want sushi. I think watching this film actually filled a little bit of a hole. Not only the hole that makes me hungry for sushi that I might fill eventually, but, <laughs> well, no, really. I've been watching a lot of anime, a little High School of the Dead, which is really similar. It has a lot of similar storyline ideas. It does. As High School of the Dead. High and, octane action. Oh, yeah. A huge amount of zombie killing. There's not much geysers of blood in High School of the Dead. No. There's some. And, like, sword, sword play and the rockets being launched and government involvement and stuff like that. But then uh, I also like playing Everyone Loves Katamari, so I have this idea of this, like, it's like big ball of stuff rolling around. It's like a golem full of zombies, and it's a lot of the same sort of idea and a lot of the same sort of foolishness with, like, the the king is just as silly as any of the commercials that you find in a sushi typhoon movie. Same sort of level of comedy. So that's, like, definitely filling a giant hole. Maybe where my heart was that you tore out, Wes, and then crushed when you were done. You would have been the one that crushed it. Do you think that maybe Sushi Typhoon sh- and should get in league with Katamari Damasi's people? Oh, yeah. And, like, make a video game? Oh, fucking right, man. As long as somebody else can drive that car so that I can be behind it catching body parts. I don't want to be the person in front. No way. I want to be the person in behind. <laughs> and on that note, I'm Wes Knight. And I'm Typical Lydia. And you've been listening to Dead Air.